So good to be with you this morning. We will be in the book of Proverbs. We'll be in chapter 4, verses 20 through 27. going to read the text and then I will pray. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. My son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight, keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. Put away, from your, put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forwards, and your, your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Father, we do just thank you for your word. We thank you that it is life, that you have given it to us, that we might know you, we might live in a way that reflects your glory. Uh, it is healing and life is found in your word. In your word, you said, if we'll store it up within us, we will not sin against you. So I pray, I pray this morning that you would Reveal yourself through the preaching of your word. That you would open up hearts and minds. That your spirit would come in this place. That he would enlighten our minds and hearts. That you would reveal yourself and you would also reveal who we are. In our great need for you. I pray that it would be to your glory and to the encouragement of your people. We pray this in your son's name. The Lord Jesus. Amen. Proverbs is known as the book of wisdom. If you look at the beginning of Proverbs in chapter 1, it tells you um, the purpose of the book. In Proverbs chapter 1, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And you can read about God's granting of wisdom to Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3. God pours out his wisdom upon him, and so his wisdom has come from God. Most There are various authors of Proverbs, but for the bulk of, of the book of Proverbs, Solomon is our author. And so this is David's son, the promised one, and interesting to note where Solomon's uh, lineage goes, but nonetheless... Here is the purpose of the book in chapter 2 through 7. He says, To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to, to receive instruction in wise dealing. So this book is so that you will know wisdom and instruction, that you would understand words of insight, that you might receive instruction in a way that you might deal wisely, that your life would be characterized by living in a wise way, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. So the book, it even picks up in chapters 1 through 9, forms the foundation for the rest, the remaining part of the book. 
So chapters 1 through 9 are the foundations for the whole book of Proverbs, and in that he addresses like the author takes up as a father to a son. He repeats this over and over through the chapters 1 through 9. So to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. So the book has the flavor of a father communicating to a son how to live before God and before others. So that's that, that, that repeats through, the, through this passage. But notice that it's not just for the youth. It says in verse 5, let the wise hear and increase in learning. So it's not just directed, the book of Proverbs is not just for the youth, but it is for all of us. So if you want to be wise, then keep hearing. If you want to be wise, increase in learning. Uh, there is uh, ways in which you be can become a wise and yet be a fool. I think the author of this book is a great lesson to us that you can have great knowledge and end up living like a fool. And so this, the wise increase in learning and the one who understands obtains guidance. I think all of us, in, when we live in this world, we, there's, a, there's a deep sense in us that we would love to know the path to take. Uh, how many times have you prayed, Lord, show me your will, and yet there is no neon sign, there's no flashing light with an arrow, but yet Wisdom helps us discern guidance. So the book will help you live in a way that would be guided by this wisdom. So we will understand a proverb. So there's proverbs in this book that seemingly contradict one another. Answer not a fool according to his folly. Answer a fool according to his folly, the book says. But wisdom is knowing in how to apply those truths in the situation that it, that it calls for. And so that's how we grow in this wisdom. So he's writing this so that you will understand the proverb, that you will understand sayings, that the word of the wise and the riddles. And then the estimation, the whole summary of the book is wrapped up in chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The starting place, the where we launch off for in our pursuit of wisdom is a life that is God conscious that at the center of life everything is being evaluated as to God that's the starting place for wisdom uh, and you never really move away from that you just grow deeper into it but fools despise wisdom instruction so there is the basis of the book and then we pick up in the middle of this chapters 1 through verses uh, chapter 1 through chapter 9, we pick up in the middle of that in chapter 4 to get at the heart of this foundation for the rest of this book. So, like I was saying, when he talks about in, in chapter 4, verse 20, he says, my son, you can see him repeatedly do that throughout the book. You can hear uh, chapter 1, verse 8, hear my son, your father's instruction. You can hear that in chapter 2, my son, if you will receive my words. So this Chapter 3, my son, do not forget my teaching. Uh, chapter 4, verse 1, hear, O my sons, a father's instruction. Chapter 10, hear, my son, accepted words. And then in chapter 4, verse 20, my son. 
So there's not a one of us who are parental, who have children, who do not want our children to be successful in life. We want our kids to not make the same mistakes that we have had, and they would progress in life a lot further than we have had. And so it's the same. My son, be attentive to my words. Now, here, where did he get these words? These words were given to him by his father. He says that. He says, he says that in chapter, uh, listen to chapter, chapter 4, verse 1. Hear, O son, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in his side of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. So Solomon is passing down the truths that his father has invested in him. And so he's wanting his son to progress in the same way of learning and applying this truth in his heart. And so the, if we're going to have a wisdom, a heart that needs wisdom, that receives wisdom, the first thing that we have to realize is there's a command to keep. And the command to keep is that we'll be attentive to the words, that we would hear them. Uh, wisdom starts with one takes on the posture of a learner, an ear that opens up to the instruction. So be attentive to it. Remove, there's a concentrated effort to hear the word. It's a removal of distractions. He says, my son, be attentive to my words. And the, the Hebrew here is literally, turn your ear towards my saying. The first step in this pursuit of wisdom in a heart that is before God, that lives in a way that honors God and, and is good, how our dealings with people starts with us being sensitive, concentrated, clear from distractions, that our hearts are actually open, that our ears are turned towards this truth. There's a way, the, the opposite of this and that's the, what the word Proverbs means, is comparison. The opposite of turning your ear to, to something is turning your ear away from it. So this, the, the opposite of being attentive to words is suppression of words, right? It, it's Romans chapter 12, so the, the truth is actually being suppressed. Instead of your heart and your ears towards it, it's moving obstinate against it. It says, do not let them escape from your sight. So there's this, keep them within your heart. That's verse 21. Let them not escape from your sight, but keep them within your heart. So there has been an estimation of the value of these words. It's not something that you can lose sight of. It's something that you keep holding in front of yourself. It's become highly esteemed to you. This word is valuable and honored. And so you won't lose possession of it. It's not something that you put away and remove from your sight. You keep it in front of you. Our pursuits of wisdom is a concentrated, clear, but the word has become concealed. And notice that it says it keeps it within your heart. The command is to keep this word in front of you, reviewing it, remembering it, rehearsing it, meditating upon it storing it up within you so that it's easily recalled to the mind as you act in life. The word is stored, so it's not, it's not passive. It's, it's growing and vibrant, and it's within you. 
It's become a part of you. You've digested it and remains in you. And so when you're walking through this world, the word is so fresh that it's recalled to your mind with ease. That's the call. Keep this word in your heart. Keep it. Guard it. And then he says there's a promise to bank on. If you will do this, this will happen. Well, what is that? For the life, for they are life to those who find them. Notice that it's not just verse 21, verse 22 right there. He says, for they are life to those who find them. So there is a discovery of what the word means. It's not just the words, but it's the application and the discovery of the meaning of the words. The truth has been settled and understood. It's not just the convey of, of words, but it's the deeper sense of the meaning. It has been spiritually understood. It becomes life to those that discover them, find them, understand them. Life is connected to understanding his word. And that shouldn't surprise us, right? That life is connected to the word. Genesis chapter 1 tells us over and over, and God said, and the result of God's saying led to what? Life. Life comes from his word. You think about Joshua 1.8. You think about a, 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 a person who is going to be given a, the task of leading armies to go conquer a nation. What do you think would be the most prized possession of this man who is going to engage in a battle to take all of these nations underneath his reign? Wouldn't the layout of the land or what resources they have? But what does God tell Joshua? He says, let not this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate in it day and night. For, for, the, for then you will be careful to observe all that is in it, and then you will have good success. You will be prosper and have good success. He says, the most important thing for you, Joshua, is don't let this word depart from your mouth. Hide behind it. His word is our wisdom. His word is what brings forth life. Psalms 1, same thing. Meditate upon this word, and we become like trees that are planted by the rivers of water that brings forth in its season. The fruitfulness of the tree is dependent upon the one whose roots are grounded in the word. The word brings forth life. Christ even attributes him abiding in us by his word abiding us in John 15. He says, if I abide in you and if my words abide in you, his word abiding in us is the same as him abiding in us because he is the word. And this word brings forth life and this word sustains life. Our lives are tied to that word. It is the word of truth. It is the one that's brought us forth. James 1.18 says we've been brought forth, meaning you have been given birth. Spiritual birth happened to you as the result of your ear hearing the truth. And the Spirit of God birthed you, a new creature in Christ, by that word. The word is the source of defeating and sustaining against evil. Matthew chapter 4, when Christ is tempted by the evil one, over and over, Jesus says three times in there, it is written. 
His defense in applying of wisdom was to speak the word of God so that he would not give in to temptation. Jesus could have done anything he wanted to do. All power is his. He could have said, Satan, leave. Get out of here. He could have vanished him. He didn't. He applied the word. He defeated Satan by quoting his word, his own word. The word is the sword of the Spirit, and we defeat as we cling to it. Notice the words that Jesus says in John 6, 63. It says, it is the Spirit who gives you life. The flesh is not help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. His word brings forth life. You and I struggle so much in our Christian lives is because the word is not keeping and abiding in our hearts. When you and I are tempted, when you and I give in to temptation, it is because we did not heed that word. That word wasn't in our hearts. So his wisdom is keeping that word in your heart. Why? Because life comes from it. Your spiritual life hinges on that word remaining and abiding in you. Look what he says, and it says, this promise to bank on is that life is connected to this word, but also healing to all your flesh. That this body, are there, are you, do you mean to tell me that there are physical ailments that happen to people because the word is not trusted? Sure. What about anxiety? Now I know you have to be touched with here here's the here's the preface to this. There are things like depression and eating disorders and worry and guilt and anxiety. Some of these things could be attributed to physical chemical imbalances. I give place to that. But I also recognize that a lot of times we don't think the word will apply to those things. You have a problem with anxiety? What's the remedy? You have a problem with worry? What's the remedy? Does these physical, psychological things that are in us, do they result in physical ailments? Yes. You ever heard of someone getting an ulcer because of worry? These things affect you. They affect all of you. And I'm just going to be stand upon this word. It says that if we'll allow this word to remain in us and abide in us and we keep them in there, we keep this word in front of us, that worry will disappear. Then anxiety will cease. That healing will come as a result of me staking upon this promise. Faith in his word, God's blessing is attached to that. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He rewards us in that way. That doesn't mean we do it to get a reward. 
It just means that results happen. Ultimately, wisdom is a life that knows God. And so we see all of these things as we leverage them to the point that we might know God more and grow in our understanding of him. So we'll keep this heart, right? That's the verse, verse 23 says, so there is a command to keep, there is a promise to bank on, and then there's this guarding of the heart. We are told how to guard the heart, and we're told why to guard the heart. There's admoni- there, is, there is admonition and argument in, in the same verse. This is something that you're to do, and this is why you're to do it in the same verse. So keep your heart with all vigilance. Keeping the heart is to be short. It reflects back to this previous verses in verse 21, right? This let not escape from your sight, but keep them within your heart. What is to remain in your heart? Those words, these truths. This word is to remain in your heart, and you're to guard it with vigilance. That means careful watch. The reason you're to keep your heart in this such a way is because out of your heart flows every other aspect of your life. Your heart is the it's the directive, right? We're not just we're not talking about the physical organ inside of us. We're talking about the mind and the will and the emotions are all tied to the center of this of who you are. It's the core of who you are. And so out of this heart flows every other action. I, we read that in the in in uh, Luke chapter six. It says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, an evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the mouth is pouring forth what's residing in the heart. He does the same thing here. He's going to start talking about these physical attributes, these action things that happen as a result of your heart not being guarded. For from it flows the springs of life. From it comes every other aspect. Your heart will reveal itself through what? Verse 24, put away from you crooked speech. Your heart will be revealed through how you talk. Put devious talk far from you. And really it's an admonition, go back to the heart that says what is divisive or deceptive in you that would lead you to talk in such a way. Let your eyes look directly forward. So wherever the heart is at, the eyes will follow, right? The eyes are gravitate towards what the heart highly esteems. So what is ever in the heart, the eyes will pursue. Ponder the path. Let your gaze be straight before you. So the look to the straight path. Don't Don't deviate from the path. Don't take away from the direction of where you're going. And actually, verse 26, ponder the path of your feet. Think through the direction of your life. Think through where the next step leads. Then all your ways will be sure. So, like we tell our children, right? Think before you act. Same here. Wisdom is applying the truths of what you know, so that you would discern the end result. So think about what you're doing. 
Don't just react. Ponder the path of your feet. Then your ways will be sure. Don't swerve to the right or to the left. Turn away your foot from evil. So one way, you're either going to let the truth turn away from you or you're going to turn from evil. That's, that's the, the passage that the, he's playing on in the verbs in verse 20 and verse 27. So we turn, incline our ears towards the truth so that we might turn away from evil. The more you turn towards the truth is the more you turn from evil because turning towards the truth is turning to the Lord. And so we say all of this is your submission of all of you are, who, who you are. So your eyes, your talk, your sight, your feet, your ways, all of that is really implications of if your heart is submissive and guarded by the truth. And what this really reveals to all of us is that we need wisdom. We need hearts of wisdom. But what is wisdom? Well, let this book describe it for us. Chapter 1, verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom instruction. In chapter 9, verse 10, he says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So the point he is saying, if the foundation for the book of Proverbs is chapter 1 through 9, and the point of Proverbs is your life lived under God and lived to humanity, then the knowledge and wisdom is knowing God. True wisdom is a heart that knows Jesus Christ. Wisdom comes, as I said here, just a rock-hard heart has been struck with the beauty and glory of Jesus Christ and has become in us a fountain springing, leading to life which is in Christ. And this Christ has become from us wisdom from God. And in him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The reason I think Proverbs addresses sons is because of the humility that it takes to be receptive. A prideful man or fools despise instruction. But when the word comes, it comes with conviction. And the conviction is that I lack wisdom. I lack. There's so much about my life that is lacking before him. That I've missed his glory. That I've, I've broken his laws. And so that, that humility of confession that says, I need Christ. Wisdom starts with a heart that says, I need Christ. It starts there. But this wisdom has to continue. It's a continual pursuit. Just because you come to that place doesn't mean you can stay there on your own. We don't drift in our Christian lives. You say, well, then I know Jesus, so I must be wise. Maybe. Are you growing? Are you pursuing the truth? Are you applying those truths? And I think Solomon illustrates this. Go to 1 Kings.
just want to show you this in 1 Kings chapter 3. First Kings three three. Solomon loved the Lord. Hear that. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Remember the echo of when I was tender and before my before my father, my father invested me those truths. Remember that in Proverbs chapter four? And here he is, loving the Lord, walking in those statutes. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was a great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made me your servant king in the place of David, my father, although I'm but a little child. You hear that? You hear this humility that says, man, I don't have all the answers. You blessed my father, but me, I'm like a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Verse 8, And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. These are your people, God, and you are placing me over them, and yet I feel as a child. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for the multitude. Verse 9, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I might discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your people? Verse 10, And it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this, and God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has ever been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. But one greater than him came. <laughs> Just want to say that. There's one one greater than Solomon who did come. Verse 13. I give you also what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandment, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And then the example of Solomon's wisdom is in chapter 3, verse 16. You can read that on your own. Go to chapter 9. Chapter 9 and verse 4. This is after Solomon had created the, has, has the creation of the temple. Building of the temple has now been complete. He prays this prayer that God would always honor this place. And now the Lord is appearing to Solomon after those things. In verse 4 he says, And as for you, if you will walk before me as, your David, as David your father walked, with the integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I have commanded you and keeping my statutes and my rules. Then I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever as I promised David your father, saying, You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. But if you turn aside from following me, 
you or your children, and do not keep my commandments and my statutes that I have set before you, but go and sow other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land that I have given them. And the house that I have consecrated for my name I will cast out of my sight, and Israel will become a proverb and a byword among all the peoples, and this house will become a heap of ruins. Everyone passing by it will be astonished and will hiss, and they will say, why has the Lord done this to, his, to this land and to this house? And they will say, because they abandoned the Lord their God who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought all this disaster upon them. So Solomon is given wisdom in chapter 3. He acts upon that wisdom in the example of the two prostitutes. And then here in chapter 9, after the building and construction of the temple, he warns him, don't stop pursuing wisdom. Don't let your heart go. Don't turn aside. Keep these sayings inside your heart, Solomon. Guard your heart, Solomon, is the admonition that would be saying to, the, to Solomon from the Lord. And then when you go to 1 Kings chapter 11, you read these words. Now the king Solomon loved many foreign women. Chapter 3, loved the Lord. Competing affections have come in, and they have turned his heart from the word, from the warnings. Listen to chapter 11, verse 1. Now the king Solomon loved many foreign women among all the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and the Hittite women from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel. The Lord had said, He's moving away from what the Lord had said. And when you move away from what the Lord has said, destruction is on its way. Judgment's on its way. Consequences are on the way. Every time. You shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn your hearts after their gods. The reason I don't want you to be in union with them, Solomon, is because they're going to lure your heart away from me. And I am your greatest source of life and love. Not these women. But Solomon clung to these women in love. The heart has changed. And wisdom has left. He had 700 wives, princes, and 300 concubines, and his wife turned and his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as with the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Asheroth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and awful Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and did not wholly follow the Lord as David his father had done. But Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the, abomination, the ab abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites, and on the mountain east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrifice to their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. There is a way in which you can understand truths, but if you do not guard your heart, you can still be led astray. 
The warning for us is not that just for the youth, it is for us that we would increase in wisdom, that our hearts would be wholly consecrated to the Lord, and that when we do discover speeches and actions that are contrary to who we say we are, that we would evaluate those things in such a way that we would repent, and that we would be like David in Psalms 51 that says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and restore a steadfast spirit within me. Our hearts are at the core of who we are, and our actions are representatives of what's truly there. The fruit of our lives is revealing the truths that we believe inwardly. So what do we do? Well, if you're walking in wisdom, keep walking. Keep pursuing it. Don't slow down. He says it's more than rubies or fine gold. It's precious. The Lord gives this wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him do what? Let him ask God, who gives to all men liberally and does not upbraid them for asking. Pursue it. If your hearts, if you've, in this message, have been like Ananias and Sapphira, and you were planning evil in your heart, repent. The Lord knows. He does not despise you returning. That's a good word. Oh, yes. Is he angry with you as you run headlong into sin? Absolutely. But he won't despise you returning. He welcomes it. That Jeremiah passage says that the new covenant has given us a heart that fears him. A heart that turns away from evil and does good. And God puts this fear within us so that we won't turn from it. And that's the benefit of the new covenant. It's a new heart. A heart that has new aptitudes. A heart that has new appetites for God as our Father. That's the benefit of us, is that our hearts are new. We just need to keep pursuing the truth and abiding that word within us so that God's glory might be magnified, seen as we apply his wisdom to our hearts. Not for us, but for him. That a life lived to God, for God, for others, brings God glory. And this world might despise this wisdom, but this is only true and lasting wisdom. And this is where life is found. Let's pray. Father.